What's up, Duke fans, and welcome to another episode of Duke Blue Central here talking down, breaking down uh, Duke's unfortunate loss at North Carolina uh, in the Dean Dome, a game where uh, was where Duke was not able to come out on top here, round one of the famous Duke-North Carolina rivalry. I know we're a few days late to break down this game, uh, but just didn't have any time or energy to record right after the game. We all know how much energy, energy those games take out of fans. Uh, but didn't have time to record after that, and then a couple things got in the way, uh, got in the way here, here and there. Couldn't record it earlier. As I'm recording this, it is uh, late Tuesday night, and actually, uh, UNC just picked up a loss uh, on uh, at home against Clemson. Uh, so maybe I should just wait all the time and <laughs> just not not do pods. Uh, continue the bad vibes and the bad luck heading towards the Tar Heel way. Um, but that is a massive loss, actually. Uh, for UNC this would mean that um, I believe it would mean if the rest of the team if you know Duke and UNC were to go undefeated at the end of the year uh, or uh, towards the end of the year I think that game at Cameron Duke UNC would determine uh, who were who won the ACC regular season championship Uh, now obviously we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of basketball left to go there's I think Duke has I believe 10 or so games before we get there Uh, we do have a pretty favorable schedule until then Uh, up until then we play Notre Dame tomorrow Wednesday play Boston College Wake Forest gonna be a tough game but it is at home we go at Florida State at Miami I have to think Miami even with their recent struggles are gonna shoot the ball well against us and play well against us like they typically do play at Wake Forest that can be a dangerous game then you finish out the year against Louisville at home. You uh, play Virginia at home. They're the team, I think, in second place right now in the ACC, uh, even though they have the same amount of losses as as Duke has. They've just played, I think, two more ACC games, which is a little strange. Um, Then we play at NC State. NC State, always going to be a tough place to play for Duke. I don't know what NC State takes before they play Duke at home, uh, but that's going to be a tough one. And then we go to North Carolina. So, but, But I would say, you know, that's a compared to what we just went to went through with Clemson, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, kind of all back to back. We've got a pretty favorable next few weeks here. I think you would say for Duke fans, especially for Duke uh, for the team, especially coming off a loss at UNC, uh, one where they're going to really want to get back after it. I think as as fast as possible. Um, so yeah, let's let's break down this game though. And and honestly, guys, it's like I there are a lot of Duke Twitter. I felt like was on fire after uh, after this game. So maybe it's good that you know I've waited a few days to kind of reflect on the game as a whole. Um, but. It, Maybe I'm in the minority here in in not feeling like the sky is falling on our season because we lost this. I I just feel like most I I felt leading up to this game Duke was going to lose and 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 look you always have a hope you're going to win but a big part of it is we look we swept them last year it, the sweeps don't happen super often most of the time in this rivalry you win a game and you lose a game typically you know you'll you'll win your game at home you lose one on the road or you'll drop your first one at home you really get up for the second game you win on the road uh, but most years this rivalry splits 1-1 that's why you know look 
when they talk about this rivalry being the best in sports, I, I agree with that assessment, and I think it's like that for a reason. And and a big part of it for me is that you know they always break down the last hundred matchups of the, of these teams, and it's like it's all. I think right now Duke is might be fifty two to forty eight or something, or like fifty one forty nine. Uh, it, it is almost split down the middle, which just goes to illustrate the points. Most years. You're going to win one, and you're going to lose one. And it pretty much doesn't matter, the records and things like that. I know this game was very important in terms of standings and all that, although it does help Carolina picking up a loss today. Um, but it, it, this was a rivalry game. This is a Duke-Carolina game. And I think had you told most Duke fans Duke was going to score 84, I I think I would have felt okay about the outcome. I, I Duke typically, when we score this season, when we've scored that much, uh, typically a good result for us, I believe. Uh, we we hold teams to uh, lower than 80 points a game. Certainly, we might be hovering around close to 70. I'd have to have to really look up the stats on that. Don't have that prepared. But um, Duke's a good defensive team this year. Uh, felt like it would have been good, especially if you would have told me how Duke would have defended R.J. Davis throughout the game. Uh, now, he did end up scoring 17, but that was on 5 for 14 shooting, and a lot of those points came at the very end of the game where the game wasn't over, but Duke, it would have taken a miracle for Duke to get back in it. The, the meat and potatoes of this game, R.J. Davis was contained uh, mostly by Tyrese Proctor, uh, who that was his pretty much, I think, maybe the only thing uh, – Proctor is going to really be able to take away positively from this game is how well he guarded uh, R.J. Davis. And that's no disrespect to Tyrese. One of my favorite players on this team, one of my favorite players to watch in college basketball. Um, but, but we'll talk about him in a minute and, and his performance. Um, but the big overarching things from this game, uh, the big takeaways, is just that the turnovers just killed Duke. And I don't want to make it sound more simple than it is. But if you take away the Duke turnovers in this game, it, you know, we turned the ball over 11 times. I don't, I think I don't know how much we're averaging, but it's significantly less than that. I less than 7, I believe. Uh this game is drastically different if Duke doesn't turn the ball over the way they do. Uh, I got the box score in front of me. Uh, UNC was able to score 19 points off turnovers, 16 fast break points, 19 points off turnovers. In a game that Duke ends up losing by nine, um, <laughs> I mean, that box score speaks for itself. You give up 19 off turnovers. Now, sometimes that can be a little deceiving because – you know, I, it's not a total flush of, hey, UNC would not have scored all of those 19s, but it felt like they capitalized on nearly every turnover Duke was committing and was able to get an easy basket on the other end. Uh, I mean, you know, non-contested jumper layups and ones. I don't know if they had any transition threes. I, I don't recall any, but this couple and ones that turned into three-point plays, and you have to think that Duke had a better shot of defending them uh, in the half court than they did on those easy turnovers. Uh, I, I really, I mean, when you look at this game, the way Duke shot, I mean, I think most people were worried about getting slammed on the boards by UNC. We lost the rebounding battle by one, 34 to 35. And even, like, offensive rebounds, they, they were, I, let me pull it up here, um, 
they were able to get nine offensive, but Duke got seven. So e- even in the offensive boards, they were plus two and only plus one for the whole game. It, that might have been the area I was worried about the most coming up against the uh, against UNC. They're an elite rebounding team, a team that always stresses rebounding, except for last year's team. Uh, but and we we held our own on the boards against them. And and I've heard a lot of people talk smack about the effort of Duke, and I do think. The effort was lacking, um, and the kind of the intensity and the tenacity for this game was lacking. I actually think that showed up more in the passing game than it did in the rebounding game. Uh, Duke was out-assisted in this game 18-8, to and that is a really big margin. Duke is typically a really good passing team, typically gets a lot of assists, uh, but they, they were not able to pass the ball well today. And part of that is because of all those turnovers we had. Um, but they were they were not getting into a rhythm offensively. Uh, they weren't sharing the rock. They were playing selfishly. These are all things that the players said post game too. I mean, if you haven't given Jeremy Roach's post game interview a uh, a talk, it's a worth listen. Uh, he, he he really owned the loss and said they were playing selfish and all that. Um, and that's coming from a guy who I thought had a had a really good performance out there. Um, but and then another thing that went wrong for Duke was our three point percentage, and I want to give some credit to Carolina here because they do statistically defend the three very well. I I don't know, I, I'm still just convinced some of that has to be smoke and mirrors because I felt like Duke had plenty of chances to hit open threes and they just didn't make them. But there's something to be said for statistics and uh, how how bad teams shoot against them uh, from the three this season. Duke only converted 26% of their threes. Um, yeah, it went three for eight the first half, even worse, two for 11 in the second half, total five for 19 on the game. Uh, some of those totals, Jared McCain, two for six from three. Uh, Flip went one for six. Roach was able to go two for five. Nobody else made a three on the team. Uh, Mark Mitchell attempted one. Caleb Foster attempted one that both missed. Uh, so look, not to make this loss seem more simple than it is, everything can sometimes be more complicated when you're talking about basketball strategy. But if Duke is able to turn the ball over a couple less times, and shoot their regular three-point percentage. I mean, I think we're shooting 37% on the year from three. We had a really bad shooting night. I I mean, if we're able to convert on some of these threes, turn the ball over a little less, I think we're talking about a Duke win. But that's the way these games go. Sometimes things happen that don't happen throughout the regular year uh, that the teams don't do. Sometimes bad shooting teams turn into good shooting teams. And for Duke this time, a good three-point shooting team turned into a bad one. Uh, in the face of an intense rivalry. Uh, Another thing that went wrong for Duke was Harrison Ingram on the other side uh, for the Tar Heels. Harrison Ingram played 39 minutes of this game. Uh, All of them were felt. He went 8 for 12 from the field, including shooting and making five three-point baskets, five three-pointers. And on top of that, grabbed two offensive rebounds, 11 defensive for 13, uh, and even had four steals in the game. I mean, a monster stat line from Harrison Ingram. Perhaps the best game of his college career. I, I, It's definitely the best game in his UNC career. I guess I'd have to go back and look at his transfer stats. To, But I, I think he would say this is the best performance of his career in a game like this. Um, 
Sometimes you strategize to let the other guys beat you. We implored – now Harrison Ingram and Leaky Black are not the same player, but we implored a similar strategy against Leaky Black both games last year where we said, Leaky is going to shoot, we're going to let him shoot, and if he beats us, great. And he didn't beat us and couldn't beat us in both games, no matter home or away. Harrison Ingram, we were not – just letting shoot out there because he's a good three-point shooter but I think admittedly they were more concerned with guarding RJ Davis and even Armando Baycott uh, and were okay with Harrison Ingram having the ball in his hands more than those two guys and he really burned us Um, really really burned us great game from him a couple of the other guys coming off the bench Seth Trimble had 10 points like man I, I I admittedly I hadn't watched every minute and (laughs) every game with Carolina basketball this year, but I don't remember Trimble coming off of the bench and having that much of an impact this year. Uh, Just they, they got a lot of contributions from a lot of guys. Um, Like I said, Davis was contained, I think for the meat of the game finished with 17. A lot of that came late. Baycott had a, had a great game, Uh, 25 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, uh, Great game for Baycott, who had been on a little bit of a skid here, but you knew he was going to wake up uh, for the Duke game, especially it being his uh, his last Duke game in in the Dean Dome. And uh, he boldly stated after the game that the ACC runs through me, uh, which is which is an interesting quote uh, considering some of the statistics. Let's just let's take a journey together and read this from my. Uh, uh, from my friend, shout out to shout out to uh, to at Duke Wisdom, at Duke Wisdom, uh, great guy, great account to follow. He uh, he retweeted Armando Baycott's quote that the ACC runs through me. Uh, all of this is his stuff. I, I'm just going to read you this tweet. He just said uh, so. This is a retweet on the Baycott quote from the field of '68. Armando Baycott said, "At the end of the day, the ACC runs through me." Uh, so UNC number of ACC regular season or tournament titles from 2000 to 2003, uh, a whopping zero. And uh, UNC's NCAA tournament seeds during Armando Baycott's career. Uh, so this is four his their four seeds uh, since he'd been there. 2020, they would have probably missed the tournament, but it was COVID. 2021, they were an eight seed. 2022, they were an eight seed. 2023, they missed the tournament and his record for against Duke is five and five. Um, <laughs> so there's some interesting, uh, interesting stats there. Also, he's never won an ACC player of the year. I, I mean, the, the very interesting quote to say that the ACC runs through him. I'm, I'm not a guy who, I guess you might be able to tell through part of it. I'm not a guy who harbors a lot of hate for the UNC players. I get into the rivalry as as anybody else does. Um, but I have no ill will towards towards any of these uh, UNC players. I'm not preying on their personal downfall. Uh, but but look, if you're gonna say a quote like that, you got to be ready uh, for the for the meme replies of everybody telling you perhaps that you haven't accomplished as much as maybe you think you have. Um, but I harbor no no hate in my heart for Armando Baycott. And he had a great game against Duke, uh, so he can he can definitely have the laugh there if he so wishes. But, uh, but we keep receipts. We keep receipts, and that's all I'll say. We'll see him again. Uh, we're going to see him again once, maybe twice this year. So uh, keep holding on to that. I'm sure 
the Duke players uh, have seen that quote and will uh, take that quote to heart next time uh, Next time we see big number five out there on the court. Um, but I, I want to jump to the Duke side a little bit and talk about some guys' uh, individual player performances. Um, I, I have three guys that really stood out for me as having great games, and that was uh, Jeremy Roach, Kyle Filipowski, and Jared McCain. Now, what I find interesting here is Flip was really getting flamed like a uh, – online for having like a horrible game now i know like mccain did lead us in scoring but flip finished with going nine for 17 22 points five rebounds only two turnovers and a block like now look i guess in a what they were flaming him about is like you're expecting him to put up you know 25 plus in a game like this but look i mean that <laughs> it's pretty wild that a guy like flip can get toasted online for shooting nine for 17 and scoring 22 in only 31 minutes. And a guy like McCain, like everybody is, and by the way, McCain had an awesome game, was the player of the game. But a guy like McCain is like heaped praise upon, as he should. Let me point that out, as he should. But he finished nine for 18 with 11 rebounds, one assist, 23 points. So Flip had a point less than him in seven less minutes uh, in one less shot. He did only finish with five rebounds compared to McCain's 11, which is nutty. And Flip's a bum, and McCain is Duke's savior. Uh, but that's the beauty of fans on Twitter, right? Is that we love uh, we love uh, calling guys out and holding guys to some standard, some artificial standard that each of us have just made up in our brains. Uh, but I thought Flip had a good game. I mean, he had some. He got he picked up some fouls as usual, but you can't be mad at a guy for finishing with 22 on nine for 17 I, I'm just not this is a good stat line I don't care what you say it, the reason Duke lost this game was not because flip laid an egg and didn't show up like we, we turned the ball over 11 times shot it 26 percent from three now I will say if you want to get uh pissed at flip the the one thing I guess you could say was he was one for six three-point shooting and he missed two free throws but like are you going to dog a guy for two free throws when he's a big man probably not even though flip shoots better than that one for six from three is a little atrocious i i think man i felt like he was forcing it a little at times from deep and uh it's just that he shoots a better percentage than that on the year so i guess you could say his three-point shooting didn't show up but still to have that kind of stat line and for us to be dogging the guy so much is, is is pretty wild uh and the other guy i think had a great game was jeremy roach uh shout out to jeremy roach as always man just holding this team down went nine for 16 so even one less shot than flip did hit two for five on three had a good three-point shooting night uh and finished with two assists as well two turnovers for jeremy well 20 points uh that's just like typical Jeremy Roach. Like he just had a great game. I wonder how healthy he is still. It just still feels like he's not quite as fast as he normally is. Uh, you know, he's famous for that kind of like blow by quick layup, and it felt like they couldn't do that as much this game. Maybe because he was limited. I'm not sure. Uh, but but Jeremy Roach is such a crucial part to this team, and uh, he had a great performance. It's hard to even break down his performance because it's just like it just feels like he does this every game I don't like it's it's wild to think about 
I know a lot of Duke fans on Twitter and everywhere else were talking about before this season, like, is it better if Roach leaves and we have McCain and Foster just running the guards? And it's like, look back now, and it's like, man, that was that was so stupid. Like, Jay Roach has been such an awesome player for us. He's crushing it from three. Like, he's the captain, you know, one of the captains. He's having an awesome season. So happy he's back. Uh, I guess he could be back next year with the COVID year. Wouldn't that be really? Wouldn't that be something? Um, but uh, but hey, he can come back. <laughs> I, I will. I will never slander Jeremy Roach. He can come back and play for us for all eternity, for all I care. Uh, great game. Uh, the guys with kind of like Mark Mitchell had a decent game, but I don't think he imposed his will as much as maybe he would have wanted to. He went four for six, so good shooting with 11 points. Also was perfect from the line, had seven rebounds. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, it's pretty good. 11 points, seven rebounds, only missing two shots. Pretty good sat line for Mark Mitchell. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's hard. When you're comparing them against guys who score 20, 22, and 23, you're, you're just going to mention him a little bit lower. Uh, Caleb Foster has this interesting performance. He came out looking pretty good. Uh, he made two baskets early and then just like did not get minutes the rest of the game. Uh, let me read the minutes allocation here. Jared McCain got 38 minutes. Flip got 31. Uh, Roach got 36. Mitchell got 37. Proctor got 27. And then, or yeah, then right after that, Foster had 19. Ryan Young had 10. Sean Stewart had two. Um, so that's... Eight guys, we played eight guys this game. As I said in kind of my last podcast, I believe, I think we're seeing the eight-man rotation here that's going to carry us into March. Uh, I, I think the starting lineup will, you know, we'll, we'll flip around Foster and Roach and Proctor and all that. But I think our March lineup, and we're, we're seeing it kind of unfold before our very eyes, will be uh, Jeremy Roach, Jared McCain, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, uh, Kyle Filipowski. Uh, and then... Caleb Foster will be the first guy off the bench. Ryan Young will come in to relieve Flip uh, and, or, and or Mark when they get into foul trouble. And I think Sean Stewart has carved his way uh, at least for single-digit minutes uh, while one, you know one of those big guys are in too much foul trouble or we're just going for a different lineup. He's He's been able to uh, carve out that kind of eighth-man spot over the likes of guys like TJ Power uh, and some of the other guys, even like Jalen Blakes, who I, I would not have picked. I, I thought Blakes – I don't know if Blake's is hurt. I haven't heard anything, but uh feels like he just fell off the planet all of a sudden. I don't know if he's played in a game recently. Um, but, yeah, Sean Stewart has really carved out that role as that eighth man, which is good. I'm glad he's getting some minutes because, uh, you know, we Duke had an incredible offseason this offseason with no guys transferring. I just think that might be unlikely again, especially with how many guys we have coming in. Uh, so I'm hoping Sean isn't one of those guys that feels like he needs to transfer. Um, but man, we're going to be having some interesting conversations in the off season because, uh, Duke's got a lot of guys coming and, uh, man, we'll see. A lot of them are going to want to play too. I mean, you talking about Cooper flag, you're penciling him in for 35 minutes game. There's one starting spot gone. Uh, I'm still, I'm still projecting Jared McCain and Caleb Foster to both come back. Figure those guys come back. McCain's going to play 30-plus minutes easy. I think Foster would also play about 30-plus. Maybe he'd play like 25, 20 to 25 minutes a game. There's another two spots. Uh, 
are we convinced Mark Mitchell is going to leave? I'm not sure. He comes back. Well, anyway, we'll have those conversations later. But <laughs> back to Duke UNC. Um, and the 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 one guy you can talk about on this for Duke this game that really didn't have his greatest game by the long stretch is Tyrese Proctor. Um, now I do want to point out great defense on Arche Davis. Um, and the conversation I've had with a couple of my Duke and Carolina friends is perhaps he was so worn from guarding R.J. Davis, his offensive game just wasn't there. And while I think that could be the case, it's just not – like Proctor was able to guard good guards last year and still have good offensive games. And if you want to be a great player – I mean, they're talking about Tyrese getting drafted in the first round, or at least they were. You can't – you can't have like, oh, I was guarding a good player, so I scored two points. Like that, I love Tyrese, but that that can't be the excuse. And I think he knows that too. He finished one for six shooting, didn't attempt a three, um, had three rebounds, three fouls, two assists, uh, only one turnover. But t- two points, two points against UNC just can't happen. And, and once again, love Tyrese. No disrespect to any player, of course, but you just got to have more from him if you want to win this game. Uh, you know, we're, that's another thing you're talking about. He makes a couple of these shots, makes closer to his season average. We're talking about a different. We're talking about a win and not a loss potentially, um, probably. Uh, but I expect Proctor to rebound. Um, <laughs> maybe literally, but uh, I expect Pro- Proctor to bounce back and play well. But it, it's starting to. It, if someone asked me the question, am I concerned with Proctor? It's just like, I. it's really hard to answer that question because I don't know if it's a, they're telling him not to be as aggressive. I think he should play with more aggression on the scoring front. I know he's got the passing, but it just feels like sometimes he is so pass first that he forgets that like, oh my gosh, like I, I am a great, ISO score. Now, everybody hates that term ISO ball, but look, if, if we can get Tyrese Proctor on a on a, on a a big or a tiny guard that can't defend, yeah, heck yeah, clear everybody else out of the lane and let let Tyrese pull some Kyrie moves on him and either hit a step back three or blow by him and get a layup. Like, sometimes that just works, and I, I want to see us put Tyrese in more of those situations. I want to see us play more pick and roll. I, I think Tyrese's pick and roll game, in particular with Mark Mitchell, is excellent, and it's something we just don't run as much. Uh, but 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 I think Tyrese could just be a little more aggressive. I, when he gets the ball, he is so team first, which that's the guy you want. You would rather have to. I I, I think you would. Well, I don't know, maybe not. But uh, I was going to say you would rather have to coach him to be more aggressive than be more passive. I I don't know if that's the case actually. I think you might actually want like a dog, and you have to tell rein him back in. I I, I maybe. But anyway, I I, I just think. It, Shire has talked about it, or this whole season of this Duke team playing cocky, and he, he purposely uses the word cocky, even though it has a negative connotation, because he believes if this team plays with that swagger, they get hot. And I think Proctor, we saw that all last year when he talks trash and he's you know playing like a cocky shooter, taking difficult shots, getting into the lane, taking sp- those pin around, spin around, fadeaway lane jumpers. Man, he turns into a different player. So it, let this game be a little bit of encouragement to Tyrese. Like, get your swag back a little. Be, be a cocky player. Talk, talk smack. 
not to a certain extent, but like talk some smack, play good defense, pass the ball well, yes, play pick and roll, yes, but man, take that shot. Shooting six shots in this game, he shot the same amount of times as Mark Mitchell. No disrespect to Mark, but Tyrese is a, is a shooting guard, point guard. He should be up there in attempts with Jeremy Roach and Jared McCain. They shot the ball 16 times. You know, Tyrese should be if if Jared McCain's shooting the ball 18 times, Tyrese should be shooting it at least what 12 to 15, 12, 15. Like that's what I would say. Uh, give him the ball more. Let him shoot the ball more. Uh, and part of that's probably on him just to 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 be aggressive and shoot. Uh, but but he's the one guy you can really point out as having kind of a rough game. Um, but anyway, I, I think I've got a lot of my thoughts here uh, out on the pod. The, the point is we got a lot of season left. This guy is not following Duke fans. I, I, I still have confidence in this team that they can beat anybody on their best day. I I'm, am getting more and more concerned that just like there are too many of these one-off performances where Flip picks up a lot of fouls, Proctor doesn't bring it, and then and in the tournament, it's one and done. You're out. Uh, you lose the game. You have a bad night. You go home. Your season's over. Guys leave to the NBA, and you got a whole new team next year. Um, but look, I have felt better about Duke teams, and they've sucked in the tournament. Like last year's team, I felt like, man, hey, we really got a shot to go to the Final Four here, and we lose in the second round. Two years ago with Paolo and Mark, we, were, we played like our best basketball at the beginning of the year, and then frankly just sucked in some games in February and January we lost in the ACC tournament championship to Virginia Tech team that wasn't that good I felt like we were limping into the tournament coach K's last year we were good enough to earn a two seed so obviously we didn't just totally stink but uh, and then we turn it on and go on a run all the way to the final four so you never know man you never you got to be able to create your own momentum as a team and I do think uh, this team is going to be able to do that in a way last year's team wasn't because of the age and the experience and uh, the know-how of what it takes to win uh, in a tournament-style game. Uh, but, yeah, that's all I got to say for this one. Uh, UNC, unfortunately, comes out on top. Big story for this one being uh, turnovers and Harrison Ingram and Duke shooting bad from three. <laughs> Combination to those three things equals a loss. But we get to see him again. But anyway, hey, it's been awesome uh, talking with you again. Thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in uh, to all the recent episodes. I love seeing you guys' comments on Twitter and everything. If you want to follow me over on Twitter, you can go to just search up Duke Blue Central uh, over there. Love to interact with you. And uh, we'll be coming back at you again soon as Duke faces the Notre Dame Irish uh, Wednesday. So we are excited for that. Hopefully get back on track. Uh, but as always, see you guys. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and go Blue Devils.